Hey man, what's going on? As always, it's your boy B. Uh, yeah, we had to do a, a little Zoom thing this evening. Uh, you know, things happen. Uh, Q couldn't be here with us. He didn't show up for work today, but as always, I have the lovely ladies of Live Little Legit. I got, uh, first and foremost, producing the show as always, Young Say in the building. Hey, hey y'all. And then, of course, I got the beautiful and the talented Miss Jaquie. What's up, good people? Um, very special episode. It's an episode I am so, so, so excited about. Uh, man, and I really hate Q can be here with us for this one. But uh, we have um, a very special guest in the house with us. Uh, Emmy Award winning film producer, um, author, son of a magnificent woman, uh, a phenomenal civil rights activist. Uh, we have the <laughs> extremely talented uh, Mr. Loki Mulholland in the building with us. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, Loki, first and foremost, once again, thank you so much for uh, pulling up with us this evening. Um, we ain't gonna hold you long, but we just got a few questions. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I see from all of your gear and the things on your wall that uh, you're a member of Omega Sapphire. Of course. That's interesting. That's that's very very interesting. Uh, will you? Will you Go into detail a little bit about how, how you made the decision to join an all-black fraternity. Well, my mom's a Delta. Which is also That's interesting. That's only right. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. It's, it's, you know, it's family legacy, right? And, uh, all right. You know, when, when um, uh, you know, I, I didn't know, well, my, my, when I went to college, uh, you know, our, our college didn't have um, Mega Sapphire fraternity there, so wasn't even an option. I, I figured once, you know, once you graduated from, uh, from college, you, there's, you know, that was it. Right. And then um, years later, I learned about you know, grad chapters. And I was like, oh. And so I asked my mom, I said, well, which one should I join? And she says, well, uh, she said, well, when I went to school, the alphas were about looking good and the omegas were about doing good. And you know, okay. there were men of similar ideals. And okay. you know, all my friends were Omegas, and so it's made sense for me. Okay, okay, oh, that's, that's, that's so interesting. It, right. it really so, is. Uh, did you? The mom's never wrong, so you know what can I say? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> did uh did did you receive any pushback or any flat? Uh, you know, being a white male joining the all black fraternity. No, I mean, there's always those those question marks. There's always the, the, you know the looks and stuff from from those who don't know. Um, yeah. You know, Sapphire Fraternity is uh, you know founded at Howard University, but um, it hasn't been an all black fraternity since at least 1949. So, you know, I'm 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 nothing new in that respect. Right. But you know, I mean, it's you know, yeah, I I I, I do stand out right, in that right. respect. Um, but uh, you know, it's all about the work. So definitely, right. definitely, right. I definitely agree. Um, I, okay, I really like that. You, I really like that you said that it was about what they do versus just the rep that they had, as far as being um, Omega Men or Q Dog or being the hype people on campus and all that stuff. It was about their legacy that they were leaving behind. That was really cool. Yeah. Good reason to join. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, perception and reality are two different things. And, uh, you know, the things that people don't understand about um, 
Omega Scott Opportunity Incorporated is all the work we do within the community, you know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, work in scholarship and, and uplift and such. And so a lot of that gets, uh, you know, people forget about that part. Um, but these are, you know, we're men of, of high ideals and, uh, you know, working to, to make change and to, and to make the world a better place. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we like to have fun. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> at, the the day, at the end of the day, it's about the work, you know? Yeah. So. Cool beans. Awesome. It's like it. yeah, that's awesome. Okay, ladies. <laughs> Yeah, oh, cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> easy, right? <laughs> um, well, I um I did get a chance to look at some of your the content that you had and, and also uh -huh. in, in reviewing your webpage. Um one thing that I really liked is of course is your quote that you had, and it's it's not enough to say you're not a racist, it, you need to be actively opposed to racism every day. Right. So in watching the documentary and kind of thinking about that quote from you, my question to you is, do you think we should just in every opportunity that we may have, just have that difficult conversation with even strangers and say, what is your contribution to the current state of racism and, or how are you fighting against that? Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's a time and place for everything, right? Um, you know, and I can give a great example of this. So um, in, uh, back in the 1960s, my mom, uh, well, not even my mom, I, I, I'll, I'll pick on someone else, uh, Bob Moses, the late uh, Bob Moses and Luvon Brown. And um, I forget who else was, was Luvon, but they were in the Delta, Mississippi. And, uh, you know, these were, these were SNCC workers. These were freedom riders, right? And they weren't being served a Coke in the middle of the Delta. And Bob wanted to make a scene of it. He wanted to make something of it. You know, look, we're civil rights workers. We're going to do this, right? And Levon says, I'm not ready to die for a Coke. This is not the place for this, yeah. right? This is, not, this is not what we're here for right now. Um, and so, you know, you need, to, you need to pick your battles, but you also need to make that stand, you know, when it's appropriate. And also how you approach people. Uh, all too often I see a lot of people, um, you know, they go, for the, they go for the kill, right? And, you know, they want to blow someone up. And, you know, talk about it on social media and this is what I did or have the video of it. And it's like, great, you know, you just, you might've won the battle, but you lost the war. Because if your goal is really to end racism, then you want to change people, uh, right. not, not, you know, beat them down because all you did was, you know, they see, there they go again, right? They don't, you know, it, it's, so that's the, that's, that, that, that can be the attitude of white people a, a lot, right? Yeah. Um, so oftentimes, um, you know, there is, there are those moments where, hey, that's just, you know, you can be that ally, you can be that accomplice or that activist, and picking which one is, is, is most appropriate at that moment. Um, standing, standing with someone, um, you know, LeVon Brown talks about this, and LeVon's in, you know, in my podcast, The Uncomfortable Truth, as well as in the film, and the same name. He talks about, you know, you see that, you see that person getting bullied, go stand with that person, right? Yes. Um, it's not going after the bully, it's showing the bully that people are with this individual. Sometimes it's just having what I call the um, intellectual nonviolence and taking that approach. Whereas in the civil rights movement, we see like the picture, I've got a point, there we go, point uh, the, the, the lunch counter sit-ins, right? That was the physical nonviolence. Um, and the intellectual nonviolence is, 
is taking that step to have that conversation because believe it or not, most people just don't know. You like to think they know, mm -hmm. but they don't. Um, and that can frustrate people a lot. And a lot of times I'll say, well, I'll ask right here, how many of you know how to strip an engine of a car? Right. No. Gap a, gap a spark plug. Right. I mean, I can't. I don't know any of that. And well, why don't you know? Because all the information That's is right. there. You go to you, you can right. go to YouTube right, right now and look it up. Just because the information's there doesn't mean that that's that's where you are. That doesn't mean that's the zone you're in. So you have to be willing to meet people where they're at and bring them along, right? Um, so I, I had a situation where there was a middle-aged white guy, college educated, came up to me and said, do you really think the Confederate flag is racist? Now in my mind, I'm going, what the hell is wrong with you, right? The outward side of me, I said, well, what does it represent? And he said, well, I don't know. Now I know he came to me because he felt I was a safe person to come to to have that conversation, yeah. right? He said, well, I don't know. I said, well, it represents the, you know, again, I'm going, what? I said, well, it represents the states that seceded from the union. He goes, oh, that's right, that's right. I'm like, okay, he thought this was a trick question maybe. So I said, well, why did they, why did they secede? He said, state rights. And I was like, hmm, okay. The right to do what? And that's when he paused. He said, uh, own people? I said, well, yeah, we call it slavery. You know, it's okay, you can say that word. I said, is slavery racist? He goes, well, yeah, of course. I said, okay, well, if slavery is racist and the Confederate flag must be, he goes, I, I, I never thought of that. Wow. So then I took it a step forward because this is at the time when after what's his name, Dale and Roof, you know, went to the church in Charleston and, and killed the parishioners, right? Mm -hmm. And this was shortly after that when they started taking the flags down from the state capitol buildings. I knew that's why he came and asked me about this. I said, now I know why you're asking and I explained that. And I said, now, you, do, you, do you know when those flags went up? He said, no. He just assumed that it was, you know, right after, you know, right after the Civil War or something. I said, well, no, they went up during, right after Brown versus Board in 54. And it was the Southern, the, the southern state's way of saying, um, you know, we stand for segregation. You can't tell us what to do. State rights, talking to the federal government. I said, now is segregation racist? He goes, well, yeah. Okay, well, if segregation's racist and the Confederate flag must be racist. He's like, yeah, okay, I got it. Now, I'm not saying he had some come to Jesus moment there, but you reap what you sow. And mm -hmm. those are the seeds I was, I was trying to plant with him. But if I had just blown up on him and went, you know, and, you know, got the points for it, the likes, whatever else, okay, that wouldn't have changed anybody. And if you're really about ending racism, then it got to be about the business of doing it, whatever that might look like. Now, that's an easy thing for me to say as a white guy who doesn't have to deal with the microaggressions and everything else on a day in a you know, day out basis. But, um, you know, but that's, that's my role as well, because, uh, you know, racism is a white disease. We ask everyone else to cure. Right. I actually mm -hmm. think um, when, when you mentioned microaggression, it, I guess it triggered something in, mm -hmm. in, in my mind. I actually think, and as a matter of fact, I've heard a white person actually mention that, that they hear more racism than we would actually see as Black people. Because I guess more racist people feel comfortable mm -hmm. coming up to random oh. white people with their racist thoughts or racist jokes. Yeah. So whereas with us, it's hidden. It's a thing that they don't want to show, but with you guys, it'll be 
more freely. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting way to put it as well. Um, and silence is acceptance. And that's that moment where you got to say, particularly, especially amongst your friends, especially amongst your family um, or, or your, your coworkers and such, is, you know, look, that, that's not appropriate, right? I, I don't appreciate hearing that. I, I had a situation where I was caught off guard and I, I was put in a situation where I had I, never experienced before. And I was, I was with a coworker. We were coming back from this trip where there's a whole bunch of us and we're at the airport and um, gentleman sitting next to me. Now there was a, um, this, this couple that was, so we, we all got to bring our significant others and so forth. And there was this gay couple um, just on the other end had their earbuds in and just watching a video just like anyone else might, you know, sharing earbuds and stuff. And he goes, that's pretty neat. You know, the way they could do that in front of us, that they feel comfortable around us. I'm like, what? He goes, I mean, hey, I mean, I think it's disgusting, but I mean, good for them. And I didn't know how to respond because I had never been confronted with something like that before. Um, and, you know, and there's intersectionality and so forth, but that was just like, whoa, I wasn't prepared. I hadn't practiced, um, you know, my nonviolent technique, right, uh, in, in response to those sort of, that, that sort of situation. And it gnawed on me, the whole flight home, uh, my drive home from the airport, and finally I called him. I said, hey, I, I want you to understand something. Something you said is what I say. I said, well, this is what you said. I said, and I want you to understand that my silence wasn't acceptance. I just, I just didn't know how to respond. I was just flat-footed. He goes, oh, no, that's no, I, you know, I, no, no, hey, look, I have a lot of friends who are gay. I was like, okay, I have a lot of friends who are black. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> and I said, well, how do you think they would feel if you heard you say that? Right. He goes, wow, I, you know, I never thought of that, which just tells me again that people just aren't thinking. And, you know, obviously intent and impact are two different things, but... Um, we got to get people thinking. And, and so it's, it's, it's just those opportunities that allows them to make that next step, you know, forward and, uh, you know, and allow people, you know, we, we all make mistakes. Um, you know, none of us are, you know, free of sin. Um, but we all got to be willing to help to treat others the way we want to be treated. And again, I mean, it's, it takes, uh, some of us aren't ready for that. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I remember Hank Thomas, when I was interviewing him about uh, the Freedom Rides and so forth, he talked about nonviolence. He says, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I couldn't get my nonviolence on. And you were told if you couldn't do it, do not get on that bus, do not sit at that lunch counter, do not get involved in that march, because the only thing you're going to do is set us back. The only thing they are looking for is an excuse. Right, and they're not going to blame the people who are attacking us. It's us fighting back. Right, so if you can't do it, don't don't go there. Wow. So, no, um, very good approach. Yeah, that it, it's a phenomenal approach, and it's something I never even thought about. And even the clever ways that you you found to come back at people is something I I guess all of us could really learn. Yeah, you know, um, I, I know that's something I struggle with. If, if if you say it and I don't like it, I'm nine times out of ten, uh, my re, my response is going to be something out of the way. So I, I guess that's definitely yeah. something I could take in. But I could tell you, I'm I'm immensely jealous of the fact that you've had the opportunity to sit down 
with so many icons and including your your own mother. Uh, my, my grandfather was an activist and um, he died when I was 20. Mm. And one of the biggest regrets of my life is I never picked his brain to get stories and to get knowledge from him. So yeah. um, I, I, like once again, I'm, I'm completely jealous. No, <laughs> no mom is still mom. I mean, you know, right. I, mean, <laughs> I was with her today, as a matter of fact, and stuff. And there were still little things. I was like, man, I just got here, mom. Well, I got some things I need you to take a look at. Well, can I, can I rest for a moment? She goes, no. <laughs> and then I'm getting ready to leave. You're not going to eat this food? I'm like, just put it in a container and go. I got to get on the road for two hours, you know? And I'm like, oh, mom. But yeah, mom is mom. But, you know, yeah. she's wonderful. And, and uh, one of the fun things we've been able to do is I, I'm, I'm, I have a TikTok channel. Uh, that's my name. And I interview my mom on there a lot and stuff and it's stories that you don't hear from the films and so forth like yeah. today I, I posted one where she's talking about how she's uh you know how she was a bodyguard for Joan Baez and so it was like it's a pretty funny story I mean obviously it's TikTok you're kind of setting people up a little bit but it yeah. is a true story <laughs> what does that mean we'll I, I particularly yeah. liked what you said and it's just more so taking like an educational approach like in a softer approach when you are responding to people because like you said everybody don't know right. and when you are given those opportunities take advantage of them versus shutting people out and or pushing them off in a with the already response of being angry or yeah. upset mm -hmm. about what they're asking I and, really and thank you yeah and, and knowledge is power i mean you need to be armed with it you need to be be prepared um to know how to talk about those things and practice those things ahead of time what is that conversation going to look like what are you going to do when you walk into a situation and someone says something you know um what's right and what's easy are really the same thing and so you have to be willing to you know to, to just know that you can do it and what if you've done it one time it, it gets a little easier and a little easier um but uh yeah it's i, I and i can't say i've been perfect with it either um you know my mom my mom definitely isn't i mean boy when she when she gets lit she's we were <laughs> we were speaking at this university in, in utah and uh and these all these college students and one kid was just kind of getting at it a little bit and he was one question he you know he said well you know how can there be a lot of racism in utah when there's not a lot of black people in utah and i said well perhaps there's not a lot of black people in utah because there's so much racism you should consider that <laughs> and you know and, and he kept going and then finally he just said to my mom, my mom was just so sick and tired of him and this kid says, you know, but what's, what's the biggest challenge black people are facing today? My mom says, white people. Next question. You know, just, she was done. Like that. Just shut him down. And it was just right. like, I'm like, oh man. Well, we definitely lost that kid. But, <laughs> you <laughs> win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's mom, right? <laughs> Now, I, I do have a fun question for you. So you uh -huh. being a Q, you you the son of a Delta. Yes. What are some of your best experiences come like with the black culture? So is the dance, food, like what are some of your most fun, memorable experiences? Oh gosh. Um, the laughter. The stories and the laughter, just the joy. Yeah. Um, you know, the fellowship, the you know, the the food is you know, every year I, you know, New Year's Day, I, I black eyed peas and collard greens and, and the like. And that's what my mom did. I mean, growing up, that, that was just a Southern tradition. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, it was all of our civil rights friends would come through, especially on that day. And so, you know, you'd have those stories. Now, you, we would, for us, it was just kind of a normal thing. But, um, you know, so I, I would tell people that, you know, of course, we, you know, we knew about Malcolm, we knew about Martin, but in my mother's home, it was always about Medgar. And that was because she was Mississippi and all of her friends were Mississippi. And Meg Rivers was that leader in Mississippi. Um, and so, but yeah, you know, and so food wise and stuff, I, I, <laughs> I remember, um, you know, when I was, uh, well, when I was, when I was coming around with the cues, um, and my friend Marlon Lynch III, uh, he was, uh, he's like, oh, you want, you know, once you, you, they wanted to see how I was going to hang out a little bit. Cause, now, mind you, this was in Utah. I had lived in Utah for 22 years. I'm from Virginia, born and raised, and my wife and I just moved back here, you know, back in June. Um, and uh, so he's like, man, who's this white guy in Utah wanting to hang around the queues? And so, you know, I hung around. And, and they, didn't, they didn't really know anything about my mom in that regards. Well, I shouldn't say they, they knew, but they didn't know. They didn't make the connection. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was just kind of kept under wraps a little bit. Um, but it was like, well, he's just not that normal Utah guy. And I'm like, well, I'm not from Utah. And, and so it just, it was a very natural thing for me. Yeah. Um, yeah so, I mean, but yeah, uh, you know, tr truly, I mean, Mega Sapphire Fraternity, I mean, friendship is essential to the soul. And there's that, that friendship and that bond that exists there. And, you know, there's the fellowship and, and, uh, you know, um, through it all, it's just the laughter. It's just the, the, the joy that can exist in, even amidst the adversity. And just a reminder to, to persevere and, and see it through. You know, it's, it's funny. I was, I was telling my, my aunt, who's also a Delta, that mm -hmm. um, you know, I was going to be doing an interview on you. And I was giving her a little brief history about your mom. And I said, you know, believe it or not, she's a, a, a Delta. She said, Tell her I said, I'm like, well, I'm interviewing her. <laughs> but uh, that's great. That's great. Uh, so a, a little bit about your mom. I, I know you you had mentioned oh. the, the Jackson sit-in, uh, mm -hmm. which was by far watching the documentary, one of the bravest things I've ever seen anyone do, you know, to, to yeah. insert herself into a situation that she wasn't even in, but just come to the aid of her friends you know that right. that was amazing and, and speaking with her what was that that sentiment like i know towards the end of the documentary um you mentioned that she didn't really tell those those stories so watching her relive all of that what was that like yeah you know she, uh you know she would say well you guys just never listened again because the civil rights folks were around it was like well you know we're kids we wanted to play with the other kids and but the polite thing was you had to sit there for at least 10-15 minutes and then you can go out and play right but that's just old people telling old stories again right uh you know um but i i thought maybe perhaps i was the only one who didn't know him but as i was making the film my brothers i have four brothers they were all like yeah when's this film going to be done we really want to know the story and, you know, and we knew this, we knew, we knew the photos, we knew some of the stories, but the deeper parts of the stories we didn't know. And even though like in Ann Moody's book, Coming of Age in Mississippi, she talks about that clans list that, uh, that my mother was on and, and Annie and others. 
Um, but you know, it just kind of goes through you. Yeah. And you just, it's just, it's just one more factoid that just, you know, you don't really calculate. Uh, I think for me, the most telling thing was is when I was making the film, I would ask places like the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute or the Mississippi Department of Archives or whomever for, you know, an image and, and such, or if I was calling someone to try to get an interview and that would, you, you start name dropping your own mother, that gets, that gets interesting. But um, <laughs> they would say without fail, for Joan, anything. Wow. And you know that really for me set at home. It was just like, wow, who who is this person? What was she? I mean, what? Why would they say that? And I think you know Levon sums it up towards the end of the film. He says, you know, here is this woman who could have had it all. She could have, you know, married the, you know, gone to the right school, married the right husband, and, and done all that sort of stuff. But instead, she said, you know. Um, she chose the courage of her convictions and she stayed. Um, that was one of the things that Luvon always kind of continued on, you know, was that the fact that even though she came to Mississippi, a lot of people came to Mississippi, but she stayed. And, and, and that says a lot. And, and despite everything, you know, even though facing it, she didn't leave, she didn't turn away. She didn't say, okay, I'm done, right? Now, obviously, her, her fellow civil rights activists, particularly those who were African-American, they couldn't be done, right? Because they're going to continue to face that. She didn't have to continue to face that, that adversity and so forth. Um, you know, being, being signaled out, particularly as a white activist, you know, white Southern woman. I mean, she was the epitome of, of everything that segregation was supposed to be about, right? Yeah. And here she was saying, is, no, it's all a lie. Um, and, but at, at any point, you know, yeah, she could have just blended right back in with the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, she's, people, people ask her all the time, well, why'd you do it? And, you know, what, what compelled you? She said, well, I actually believed in what we read, what we were taught in Sunday school, right? You treated others the way you want to be treated. You've done the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. She's all that good King James stuff, she says. And I believed in the Declaration of Independence and those founding principles that we're all created equal. I just found that we were hypocrites. We weren't living it, and oh, she chose to live it. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, Jaquise and I was just talking about before you came on. That you know she did all of this within a it was four years. It was her college years, basically. You know, right. and to do all of that, then just graduate college and go and live normal life, get married, have kids, work a regular yeah. job. You know, and here. You're a true American hero. You are a patriot. You know, yeah. these people that run around with the American flag and call themselves a patriot. No, this is a patriot. She yes. sacrificed everything for a cause that really didn't even affect her. You know what I'm saying? But she, she saw the wrongdoings, sacrificed everything, gave her work, and went on and lived a normal life. It yeah. is truly something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I particularly like the part where she shared that it was more so to help those come after her. Like mm-hmm. it was one less battle, or at least a part of a battle that they won't have to fight. Right. Yeah, so. Exactly. And and yet here we are today, seemingly taking some steps back. Right. And um, you know, it's it's she's been asked a lot about that lady. Just like you know, how does it feel at this point? You know, and it's just, it's just a reminder of how much more we need to, you know, press forward. And that, yeah, we, we ended legal segregation, but societal 
you know, that racist, that foundation of racism still exists. Um, and, you know, a lot of gains were made. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves, right? Yeah. Um, however, there's still work to be done. And so we just need to be willing to continue to press forward with that and to see it through. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Definitely. Well, but she's, but she's, um, you know, her and, and, and many of the activists I talked to are really, um, they're really encouraged by what they saw in 2020 that um, such a diverse group that came out on the Black Lives Matter march and the sheer numbers. I mean, we, we see things like the, uh, you know, Selma Montgomery March or the March on Washington. And Levon was like, man, we'd be lucky if we got 10 people come out, right? Uh, so to see that many people come out and just throughout the world, right? It was just just breathtaking, and you know, and, and gives one hope. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, definitely a, a battle we continue to fight today. Uh, you know, the battles fought did the reason not not won yet. Um, I personally still believe that Dr. King's dream can can still come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, and not just the dream, but the stuff he talked about before that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, love, people love to pick on that dream, you know, especially white people. They love talking about that part, right? <laughs> it makes them feel good, right? Because it's non-confrontational. Right. It's like, it's, it's basically saying, you know, I didn't do anything, right? So, okay, I'm good. And yeah, I mean, uh, but that first part of that speech was all about, you know, the check that's due. You know, it's, it's really about reparations when it's all said and done. And, and, you know, let's, let's fix this problem. Let's create, you know, let's, you know, create true equity and so forth. And that's, you know, towards the end of his life, that's what he was fighting for was, um, you know, the rights of, of poor whites and blacks, right? It's the poor people's campaign. And he knew that if he could bring that coalition together, game over. Yeah. And that's why it's constantly used as a tool, um, you know, that, that, I don't say his name, but that twice impeached uh, former president, um, you know, he used that quite a bit. Right. The us against them. There's the, you know, the, the, the horde of, uh, you know, immigrants that are coming through the border and this sort of stuff going to take your jobs and, you know, and then the, you know, the, the whole threat of the urbanization of the suburbia. And so, I mean, all that sort of nonsense, right? All the same dog whistles over and over again because they work, but that economic threat and yet you might be poor, right? Because there's nothing he was ever going to do for 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 the you know middle class or lower class, right? But you might be poor, but at least you're not black. Or at least you're not them, right? right? And that's the same thing that's always been used. And yeah, we'll let you get away with a few things. And that's where that they became, you know, empowered to be you know to be a Karen and be so out there and, and feel that they can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, you just, you you enlighten me. I consider myself a historian because I love reading, especially about the civil rights movement. Yeah. And I, I knew about the poor the poor people's campaign, um, but the way you just put it together, you know, he knew if he could bring the poor people yeah. together, they could complete everything. You know what I'm saying? Because number yeah. one, there's strength in, in numbers, and we're pretty much fighting the same battle. Right. Differences, we're just of different races. Right. Uh, that yeah. it's absolutely amazing. I mean, and let's be honest, he wasn't killed for civil rights. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, he wasn't. That wasn't when he was killed about. So. Because he was on to something even bigger than that. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, you, you want to talk about the uh, the foundation oh, and the work that, that y'all are doing? Sure. I mean, we can keep going. I don't mind. <laughs> you got more <laughs> questions to ask him, huh? Hey. Okay. We're here. Camera's rolling. Yeah. yeah. That's but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, our foundation is, is named after my mom, the Joan Trump Power Mall Holland Foundation. And, uh, and we exist to end racism through education. And we do, uh, you know, we have curriculum and such for schools, and we try to provide those, for, you know, free of charge or, or, you know, practically feel free for a lot of these teachers. Um, you know, we have all the films that we do and, and the like, and we have scholarships that we're doing with, uh, um, you know, right now we got one with uh, Virginia State University. It's the first, you know, one we've working with. That's um, uh, a, that's me. I gotta make sure I get phrases right. Uh, first generation HBCU students, right? So that's what we we're starting to work with different, you know, um, HBCUs with that. Um, right now we're, we've got a fun program that we're doing with once a week. We're providing a, a micro grant um, $250. Um, someone's, you know, each week someone is selected to receive that, um, different categories and stuff. It could be teachers, it could be students and stuff, but, um, and then, you know, we have, uh, um, you know, obviously all that requires, you know, uh, my mom and I, we go speak a lot and, and, and when we get those, uh, you know, speaking honorariums and stuff that goes right back to the foundation and we continue to, you know, kind of create more work. Um, and then we also have what's called sustaining members. So kind of like the NPR model, right? You know, a, you know, a monthly recurring donation and you get a coffee mug, right? Um, in our case, a $10 monthly recurring donation and you get access to all of our films and all the additional content that we have. Um, I think right now, you know, we've, we've, we've added like nine new pieces this past month. Um, and two of them were podcast interviews that we did. One was a four part interview with Devery Anderson, who's the author of basically the Bible on Emmett Till, which was turned into the Women of the Movement piece that you're, you know, the people have been watching uh, lately on Mammy Till. That was taken from his books. So we have an interview with him. We have an interview with, um, oh, uh, um, Jane Elliott, brown eye, blue eye, you know, that, that uh, educator. Um, you know, so yeah, it was just a lot of, I, 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 I have a Ruby Bruises one I gotta put up too, but, um, but yeah, we, you know, so continue to add more content like that. And we just shot another short documentary that we'll hopefully have out in, oh, probably May. And it's about this gentleman named George Sally, who every day, he's 92 years old. And every day he goes to the Edmund Pettus Bridge to pray for the man who beat him on Bloody Sunday. Wow. You know, and, um, you know, why does he do that? Um, and in addition, I'm also working on a, um, diversity and inclusion training modules that will be an online modules for organizations. So uh, 12 modules, each one's about 20 minutes long that incorporates my mom's story and, and different elements of the films. And, and it takes that approach. I was talking about that intellectual nonviolence, but you're, you're gonna learn about history. You're gonna learn about how bias works and so forth and everything else that plays into that. But it's really at the end of the day about creating empathy. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what is needed to move the needle um, is, is that understanding Correct. and that ability to go, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't think about that from someone else's perspective. Yeah. So yeah. we keep busy. 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It sounds like. Speaking of, of the Edmund Pettus Bridge, did your mom participate in any of the movements here in Alabama? We're, we're in Birmingham. Oh, okay. Um, well, she was, so she participated at the end of the, uh, of the Summit of Montgomery March. There was a call that went out to, to go to Montgomery. And so, um, so she and a group uh, took the train down to, Birmingham, uh, down to Montgomery um, for that last day of the march. And they marched in um, to where Dr. King gave it, how long, not long speech. Yeah. And uh, she said, that's actually the better speech. And she goes, you know, I have a dream was this kind of pie in the sky type stuff. And she's like, you know, the students were like, this, this sounds great, but where's the action? We need to do something. Right. And how long, not long was about, let's, let's get it done, right? Um, on the train ride back, it was interesting. We, we met a lady who was actually, um, who she was a little girl and her mom took her on that same trip, that same train. And my mom had didn't remember this. Um, they didn't, they, they had never met at that time, but on the ride back, uh, all the, all the shades were pulled down. The lights were off on the train because of the snipers that they were worried about shooting at people. Mm -hmm. Little thing we never, we never hear. Yeah. My mom always kind of pops out these little things like that. Okay, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did get shoot, you know, shot at this one time. You know, it's like, how do you forget that? I actually literally asked that once and she was like, well, you know, after a while you kind of lose track. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but you know, believe it. I mean, she's got so many stories that we don't even know about. That just yeah. kind of, that was just everyday life in that respect. Yeah. You know? Well, one of the things that stand out to me about the uh, Selma Montgomery March on the way back, once they were leaving and everyone was, you know, dispersing, there was a white woman and I can't remember her name, but she was actually killed that night. Um, yeah, taking people back. To yeah, yes, yeah, so I think she came out of Detroit, and her, I always, I always mess up her name, so I don't want to say it. it begins with a V. Um, yeah. And uh, but my mom, so she, she on the Freedom Ride. So the Freedom Rides ended in Montgomery. That's where, in respects of the buses, and they, that's when they were trapped at the First Baptist Church. And, um, you know, the mob had thrown, you know, you know, rocks to the windows. And then, you know, the, then the police officers shot tear, gra tear gas. And so all that was going into the, into the church. They were all huddled at the bottom and Dr. King was there and so forth. And they're all allowed one call. And a call went out to my mom from Paul Dietrich because he knew that my mom had a phone by her bed, right? And there's efficiency of, of apartments that she actually had a phone. Whereas if, it was, if they called a dorm, you know, might've been down, down the hallway. And by the time you got to that person, your call was done because you only had like two minutes. And he said, you know, Joan, this is Paul. Uh, you know, I, I can't talk. We're trapped in the church. Send more writers, right? And, you know, Diane Nash and others, you know, got that same call. And that's when my mom and Stokely Carmichael and a group of others flew down to New Orleans and took the train. New Orleans was where the Freedom Rides were supposed to end and took the train from New Orleans to Jackson, the Illinois Central, as a matter of fact. Because um, the arrangements were made um, between the Kennedy administration and Ross, you know, the governor Barnett, I think at the time, you know, basically they, you know, the Kennedy administration basically sold out the Freedom Riders. You know, it was, you know, we're not going to beat them on, we're not going to beat, beat them publicly on camera, right? We'll just jail them. And so the Freedom Riders figured out, well, let's make jailing so difficult for them that, you know, they will stop jailing us. That's when all those riders started coming. You know, and it was just a handful of people when it's all said and done, you know, I mean, just a few hundred people that, you know, changed the course of history. Right. It's amazing. And that's when once the, I guess, 
the county jails got overfilled. That's when they sent them down to Parchment. Parchment. Oh, yeah. 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 That's something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Mr. Loki, I, I have a question for you. As you've been mm -hmm. um, doing the work that you've been doing with the foundation and working mm -hmm. to educate more people about um, racism and changing that narrative and stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you, you told us about times where you've ran into where the educating and the kind of talking it out worked. Have you had any any moments where you were kind of trying to educate the person you were talking with and it didn't work and you kind of got a lot more pushback? Oh yeah, it's called TikTok. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> but it, I, you know, um, you, know, you get a lot of comments and things like that from people, not publicly. I don't really get a lot of people publicly. I, I think one, I had one incident at a film screening um, of The Uncomfortable Truth where a gentleman got stood up in the middle of it and said, this is BS and walked out. Of course, you know, he said the word, right? And it was like, what'd you think you were gonna walk into, dude, right? You know, um, you had to make a scene and make it about him. But, you know, on TikTok and stuff, it's those sort of things, you know, you get you get those sort of messages and, and, and you know, and, and I, I Gotten, that's kind of a modern day hate mail, if you will. But yeah. you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and from time to time you get an email and things like that. But uh, um, yeah, I, I learned long ago that you know you just uh, you don't even bother responding because there's, there's no way to win in social media in that respects, right? It's always yeah. a back and forth, and there's no way to have a real conversation and get full context. And you know, people seem to you know mellow when you're actually having a, a conversation with them. Some people it's like, hey, look, we're just not going to agree, right? Um, I, I I had a we moved out to here to Virginia, and probably in the first first week or so, my wife and I would take these walks and stuff. We live out kind of more on the countryside a little bit, you know, um, about twenty minutes outside of Richmond, and we kept seeing this old couple taking the same similar walk, and they lived about a mile from us, and we started chatting a little bit, and then one day, uh, it was just me. And the lady says about, they, they, they had just changed the name of the high school like in the past year or so from Lee Davis High School to Mechanicsville High. And someone drove by, oh yeah, she, she's, uh, she teaches over at Lee Davis. I said, Lee, I said, you mean Mechanicsville? She goes, well, yeah, that's, that, you know, she goes, well, that's because they, uh, that, that's, that's the, uh, the woke name now, you know. They, they changed it because, you know, they're trying to be PC. And I said, well, no, they changed it because they're, they were traitors. She's like, what? And then the next next day, she comes back at me and to try to explain to me how they weren't traitors. I said, where are you, where are you from? She goes, well, was, you know, South Carolina. I said, how, you know, how long has your family been here? She goes, we've only been here, you know, we've been here for, you know, 50 years. Like, yeah, I mean, like in the country. Yeah. Right? I said, because my, my family's been here since 1610, right? So, you know, I, I think I got seniority over you, right? <laughs> I said, look, I talk about this all the time. This is not a discussion you want to have. You're not going to win this, right? And she hasn't talked to me since. And that was the end of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I might get a polite hello at church. Come to find out she goes to the same church. It's like, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, so you, so you, you get those sort of situations. Um, you just kind of learn to ignore it there's um even when we're shooting some of our films we get people um i remember when, when we were in selma for example we were shooting the film after selma about voter suppression since the selma Montgomery march and joanne bland 
uh, was with us were in the cemetery. This is the city cemetery and the only spot in the, in the city cemetery that's privately held is held by the United Daughters of the Confederacy. And of course they got those statues, uh, you know, Bedford Forest, it was called the Defender of Selma, you know, and all that sort of crap. And as we're shooting this stuff, there's this guy who pulls up in a pickup truck. And, and I knew he was a diehard because he had a Confederate flag in his back of his window, this little sticker. And I'm not talking about Robert, you know, the, the, the General Lee Dukes of Hazard Confederate yeah. flag. I'm talking about the Confederate States of America flag, right? So it is older gentleman, white beard and stuff. And I walked up to him and said, hey, how, how you doing? Pretty good, what y'all doing here? I thought we're just, just shooting a little stuff, a little something. And uh, like, yeah, I just like coming out here, you know, just kind of relaxing and find it peaceful out here. I'm like, oh, all right, right on. And so, you know, eventually, of course, we couldn't shoot because the guy was like in the middle of a shot. <laughs> so eventually, you know, he goes on, you know, takes off. And I went over to Joanne. I said, what was that about? She goes, well, that's the clan. They'll be back. You know, they, they, they've got plenty of people watching us right now. And sure mm-hmm. enough, you know, cars would cycle through. And they do this. Even when she, when she comes and brings school children, they come. Because they want to make sure she tells the right story, which is the story they want told, you know, not the story that she tells. Mm. And so it's, it's uh, yeah, but, you know, that's, that comes with the territory. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes time you get that, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's just you're not going to get through to people. And you know that, you know, there's going to be some people who are so stuck in their ways and that's that, but you did what you were supposed to do. And so, yeah, and people can change. You know, we got to allow people to change uh, as well. Um, yeah. Miracles do happen. That's true. Good point. Yeah, that is, that is definitely true. It's true. So, I mean, as my mom had said, you know, I, I, I can't do everything, but I can do something because doing nothing's not an option. Now, I've, I've been asked in the past, you know, would, would you have sat at the lunch counters? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just being honest. I mean, I don't know if I would have actually sat those lunch counters like my mother did. You know, it's a special kind of crazy, <clears throat> special kind of, you know, something yeah. else, so a different type of character that those, those kids had. And they were kids, you know, John and Diane and my mom and such, they were all kids. Um, yeah, even, but, even with me being black and in that time and area, I would be, I like to think like I would have had no choice but to do it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't know. You know, like how bold would I have been to sit, you know, sit in or to be a part of of the walks and and the marches and things like that. And and not everyone could. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot lot of the students couldn't get involved because, you know, that was a threat of their education and their parents had put all their hopes in them, right? Made sacrifices. Some of them couldn't do it because, you know, they were... Their, their houses would be bombed or, you know, they could lose their jobs. So people found different ways to do different things. Not everyone could sit at those lunch counters, right? Um, and, and so I don't fault people for that, right? Um, but you, you find ways. So after that, that famous sit-in, you know, they, uh, they went back to a salon and, you know, and, and people did their hairs and, you know, they wore pantyhose back then for the ladies and they were, you know, cleaning off their pantyhose and getting them, you know, fed and those sort of things. You know, representative, uh, actually, I think it was Representative Benny Thompson's mother's uh, place is where that took place. He's also the one right now that's in charge of, you know, uh, investigating the uh, January 6th insurrection, you know, kind of full circle. 
Um, but uh, you know, everyone everyone had a role as long as everyone was doing something. And there were even, um, you know, to give credit where credit is due, uh, you know, so so there was the help, right? Um, and uh, white women, who's you knew their husbands were probably in the white citizens council and so forth with the Klan, they were handing money to the help to get back to the NAACP and stuff. They would secretly mm-hmm. hand off money and support because they knew they couldn't do it openly, but they could find ways right. to do it. Because they knew it, you know, many people knew it was wrong, but they couldn't, they just didn't have that extra level of courage to get out there and, and, and do something. They couldn't be my mom, right? Um, but they were doing what they could do. There was a guy who his role, unbeknownst to a lot of people for years, was he was kind of a Robin Hood. He would, he would ride the rails and rob jewelry stores, take the rings, sell them off in the next town, hawk them off at, you know, you know, whatever, uh, you know, place he could sell them at, and then give that money to the NAACP. Now, I don't endorse that, but, you know, that's what he, that's what he did. That's what he was good right. at. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I do films. I tell stories. I, you know, I, I, those are the things that I do. You know, I take the gifts and the talents that I've been given and I've been blessed with and use those for that purpose. And so we I all think that's definitely, I'm sorry. I no, no. no so I think that's definitely um, a point that needs to be made, especially with how everything is today. We try to make it seem like everybody has to march. Everybody have to mm-hmm. be, you know, out there riding or whatever it may be that they're doing. And like you said, there, I mean, there's stuff to, there's other things that can be done. Just because I'm not in the street, that doesn't mean I can't help the cause. Right. There's other ways to fight, you know. And, right, and, they're working behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody. And, and don't, be, don't be a social media, you know, activist. It just, I mean, there's, 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 there's roles for social media in that. We've seen, you know, the, the power of that, but merely just posting something isn't enough. I, mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to knock it. That's all you feel you can do. But at the same time, it's like, um, you know, you can easily delete that. Uh, and it's really about, at the end of the day, the real change takes place face-to-face, person-to-person, right? Uh, a, a letter campaign about the lunch counters wasn't going to change the lunch counters. It was sitting at the lunch counters. It was riding on the buses those sort of things, when people had to confront the realities of what they were seeing, that of how wrong it was, that's when things changed. Yeah. You know, talking about it, yeah. you know, everyone can go, yeah, I think it's bad. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but what can you do? Yeah. Well, you can do something, and that's what people did, and that's what people continue to do. Yeah. Mr. Loki, I, I have a question. Yes. Um, do you feel as if um, just with modern racism, which we still see so much of it now, do you feel it as if it was a greater impact now versus when it was in the 50s and 60s? Um, man, well, not having lived then, I, you know, I can't speak right. to then. Right. Uh, the, the impact is we're, we're all living in now. Right. So the impact is now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there, again, there were things that uh you know my mom you know said you know that they took care of legal segregation right mm-hmm. so people can use the same restrooms and sit at the same lunch counters and eat from the same lunch can- you know all those sort of things right by the same buses um but 
there's so many other little things and it's it's i i uh, you know there's there's these moments where it's more exposed than others of course right um and this is definitely one of those times where people feel you know more emboldened and empowered um mm -hmm. and so but again it's like once once they expose themselves now we know where the targets are right right and and, and we shouldn't be surprised by any of this either i mean the, the backlash of the you know the marches in 2020 is anti-crt right um obama is you know the backlash to that is you know he who uh, he who should not be named right mm -hmm. um yeah so i mean it's it's yeah but there's always that progress and we're, we're trying to form a more perfect union but um I, i'm i'm surprised uh, you know at how you know i mean i was i was more shocked by ahmaud aubrey than i was by george floyd george floyd i could expect that because we had seen that from the police right ahmaud aubrey was just chasing a man down the street i mean it was it was old-fashioned lynching I mean, that was, that's what really shocked me and that they felt it was okay to share that video and they would get away with it. I mean, that was, that, that's just like the lynching photos that we, that we have archived today, that people would stand there and take pictures next to the bot mm -hmm. and then, you know, then send them as post, literally postcards in the mail. That's the same thing. You know, the only difference is a hundred years. And so that that's that one really, really shocked me. I was like, wow, this is just this is just just bold face. You don't belong here. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you think that with the with the former presidents, um with 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 him being in president with Trump being in presidency and how everything happened as far as bringing to light a lot of those people who were who are you know, racist and stuff. Do you think he kind of set back, set us back in terms of how um, progressing towards changing the, um, making change in in the, in racism? Um, I, I I do feel there is a setback in respects of again that 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 emboldened empowerment that you have people at at all levels of government, particularly local governments, setting up roadblocks and such. And then going, okay, yeah, I mean, rolling, particularly rolling back the, the voting rights, right? Those sort of things um, that, that I really do feel. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it empowered another group of people. It, it, you know, it lit a spark and um, saying, you know, wow, I mean, the echo the words of, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer, you know, just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And getting out there and doing something about it and challenging every step of the way, I I, I, I kind of feel like people got a little a uh, little too comfortable with Obama, right? Particularly particularly white liberals, right? And then the shock of it all was like, wow, okay, we got to start doing something ourselves. Um, so that now to 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 come back on Mount Aubrey because even though we can sit there and go, oh my gosh, how horrible was this? Mm -hmm. um, despite a nearly all white jury 
they got a conviction. And then for the judge to pause that silence for just for a minute and what he had to say. And when he had had that, you know, that silence for a minute, he says, now he was, he was, he was basically hunted down for five minutes, right? That was just one minute. So, I mean, and for that to happen in Georgia, I mean, that's progress. Yeah. Okay. And, and we should, we should recognize that progress. And, 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 cause when we do that, when we applaud that, um, it, it, it tells other people that, okay, I can do it too. In regards of, you know, I, I can, you know, have the courage to, to make sure that there's the proper verdict, quite frankly. That's me, but. <laughs> Definitely. Um... Sarah, in, 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 you have anything else? I, I know you, you kind of got. I know. Look, I have so much stuff. No. To say. <laughs> oh, you make it a three-part series. All right. <laughs> look, I'm so so. Um, and all then, I got football tomorrow, know, so don't worry about it. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, just really because, um, growing up, um, and you know, not just to really talk about myself, but my dad's family is from Selma. So I was just so stoked to know that I would be able to share this time with you and just kind of, you know, hear from you and talk with you. But, um, you know, I, I went and just did my research and just looked up with both you and your mother and just, you know, you know, just hearing your story. And, and you know, I almost feel as if I could say I'm the same, you know, just being in your shoes. So it's just amazing. And just just hearing from you and your insights on a lot of things. So. Oh, awesome. <laughs> the freedom, <laughs> learning about the freedom riders was one of the first things that my dad um, just really sat down and talked to me about. And I was so amazed as a child, just hearing, you know, that these people were standing up for what they believed in, getting on the bus and going to do sit-ins and, and whatnot. So it was, it's so awesome. And here I am 30 years old and, you know, I yeah. go and tell somebody that doesn't even know about the smallest things with black history or whatnot. Yeah. So it's just really awesome. Well, and you think about, you know, th thinking of Selma and, and you know, mm -hmm. obviously I did the film with Joanne Bland and Carol Anderson. Joanne mm -hmm. is like queen of, of Selma when it comes to right. civil rights. And, you know, she was 11 years old and had already been arrested 13 times when she was knocked unconscious on the Edmund Pettus Bridge on Bloody Sunday. Right. And she was, she had been jailed for eight days in the, um, oh, what do they call that? The, 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 well, the Selma, I forget what they call it. I asked her, I, I was talking to her today about this and she told me the term, but basically there was, there was this prison that they put the kids in mm -hmm. and they had, but it's not called a prison. It was called something else. Right. But for children. So yeah, yeah. For children, yeah. And I mean, it was, it was one of these things where they had no blankets and it was dry beans mm -hmm. for food, eight days of this. And it was cold. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so, I mean, this is what they were subjecting mm -hmm. you know, people to, but they get out and, you know, keep on keeping on right i mean that's just that's to me that's a powerful testimony and joanne is still out there doing it wow all these years later yeah she's she's wonderful that's amazing of course that's second amazing. i was like i call you i was like how's your mom doing i'm like here you go I'm like, <laughs> go on, what's your question i was like all right <laughs> yeah that's amazing so um Coming up on the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday and uh, <laughs> headed right into Black History Month. Any any big plans or engagements mm -hmm. you guys have coming up? 
Oh, my mom and I are going to be, I mean, well, we got this snowstorm coming in on the eastern, uh, nor'easter thing, and it's supposed to swipe right through where we are. And I mean, I think it's supposed to hit after we get on our airplanes. So, uh, but we're supposed to be flying out to, to Michigan and we've got, um, got an event with the school district out there um, with 1700 educators. And then we've got uh, a Ferris State University. This is all like northern, north of, you know, Grand Rapids. Um, and so that's that's MLK Day, and then we fly home the 18th, and then on the 20th we fly out to Memphis for a couple of events with the Deltas out there, and then get home, and then it's just you know uh, every few days we've probably got something going on. I, I can't even think what they are at the moment, um, <laughs> but it's uh, you know it's that's that time of year where we get the opportunity to share you know with people, and and they really just you know want to know that history. Um, yeah. You know, we, we look most forward to is the assemblies that we get opportunities to do at times with uh, with students in elementary schools. We had a teacher in Mississippi, of all places, reach out to me just a couple of days ago and said, "You were reading about, um, you know, reading about your mom in in, uh, in our newspaper called Studies Weekly. It's a publication, uh, a curriculum, and you know, we took these quotes from her and put her on the walls, and the kids were just, you know, who is this lady, right? He said, we just want to let you know." that the fire she lit still burns. So I called her up. I said, hey, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, what grade is this? It was fourth grade. I said, great. I said, um, how'd you like to do an assembly? Like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, with my mom and whatnot. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, no, we, you know, obviously we have to do Zoom, but uh, let's do this. And we were supposed to do it today. But COVID hit the schools. They had to shut, actually shut down the school. But you know, I like, but we're going to do this. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're going to get it done. And the kids are excited to be able to, you know, to meet history. And and the, and the most important thing about my mom's story is, even though we get you know enthralled by the freedom rides and so forth, and you know, and here she was. I think it was like by the time she was 23 years old, she'd been involved in about 50 sit-ins and demonstrations and, and the like and stuff and all this craziness. The decision that she made was when she was 10 years old and she saw the reality of what separate but equal really was embodied in this schoolhouse for black students and said, this is wrong. I'm going to do something about it. She didn't say, this is wrong. Oh, well, or can you take care of it? Or what can I do? She said, I'm going to do something about it. 10 years old. And so, I mean, and the beautiful thing for me is that kids see that. And the other beautiful thing is representation is important. And so white kids see that. You know, they see themselves as being part of the solution to the, the problem that we created, even though we don't want to admit that we created it. And there's, there's power in them. You know? And it's not just Black people who can look at my mom and go, okay, they're not all crackers. Okay, good, right? But, you know, <laughs> let's be honest, right? right, um, right. But at the same time, it's like, okay, yeah. But, um, you know, it's just, that's just kind of the... the I think that, that that fabric of humanity that we can all see, and you know, because we're all we're all the same. When it's all said and done, as Jane Elliott said, "Look, we're you know, I hate to break the people, but we all came from Africa, so get over it." Right. right. We're all human. There is no race, not even scientifically, just the social construct. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, man. I'm I'm blown away. We we had this whole plan we were going to end the interview and then go on with our normal crazy so and all of this but yeah. hey this, i'm just this getting is, started 
this is awesome. <laughs> just to be honest with you. Um, ladies, do y'all do y'all have anything else? Um, no, I learned a lot. <laughs> oh, thank you. Right. Thank you so much. I, yeah. It's I, and I attend I attend a um, multiracial church as to say. So we have Koreans, blacks, whites, um, every it's just um, Hispanics, all kinds of people, Colombian, yeah. whatever. And so our church has had the the tense conversation about racism before. Yeah. And so I enjoy moments like this where I get to hear the, you know, someone else's perspective. And I have really learned a lot, mm-hmm. even in, in just listening one to your documentaries and just list, talking to you, you know. Yeah. So it's been awesome. a really good. No, I appreciate that. No, thank you so much. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think same with Jaquise, I, I just, I can't wait to go and like share. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, this is what we do as cues. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> like my mom said, you know, <laughs> I, uh, we're about doing good. I mean, obviously, all the divine nine is about doing good, but yeah, cues do it best. There you go. <laughs> I, uh, one, one of the things that uh, that caught my attention to you was uh, I, I follow your TikToks. And you were right discussing the uh, economic impact. Oh my gosh! Racism. Did you read the so, comments on that one? I I want to say I scrolled through them, and yeah. Oh, it, it, it's a lot of stupid people in the world. You know, a lot of stupid yeah. people left. Oh yeah. It's like what 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 are you defending? Yeah. I mean, and, and they'll say, look, yeah, slavery was wrong, but okay. Well, the second you said but, you told me that you don't think it's wrong. Because you're trying to justify, you're trying to, you're trying to protect yourself, right? Because they feel that, you know, you're talking about them. It's like this has nothing to do with you in respects to slavery and so forth. It's about telling, talking about history. You never owned anybody. At least, I, gosh, I hope not, right? You weren't part of Jim Crow. Okay, we're not talking about what you didn't do. We're talking about you know, what you're going to do. And what you need to do, right? And that that is the past. But we're all downstream of the past. We have to understand that there is an impact. I mean, what was it? Was it uh, the last pension of the Civil War was paid in May 2020? Wow! Wow! Didn't know that. And oh, think about that. That is shocking. <laughs> I mean, now there's some sick math that goes there and stuff, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's confusing and everything else. You're going, wait a second, that's like 150 plus years. Yeah, but the last pension of the Civil War was paid just two years ago. So just hard dollar impact out of pocket. I'm not talking about, you know, theoretical dollars and so forth, even though we know that all that's real. Actual dollar payments, right? Impact on the U.S. government coffers, 2020. So don't tell me that th- there wasn't a greater impact, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we talk about in the, in, in the uncomfortable truth, right? We talk about the GI Bill. That was just one policy over 70 years. Now compound that by hundreds of policies over hundreds of years. As I say, it starts to add up, yeah. right? So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I tell you what, if, if, if you're with it, I'm going to reach back out to you. And yeah. we, we, we can spend that whole show talking about the economic impact. 
Oh yeah, so, yeah. I, that's, that's, <laughs> I like how did we get on that one? <laughs> that <laughs> I was is, like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's definitely something that we're we're, we're going to pin in the uh, calendar, and I'll reach out to you so so we can get that scheduled. That's, All right. On. I'm excited about that one. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us for this show. Uh, I definitely appreciate you uh, checking us out and joining in with us. Uh, Loki, before we go, uh, do you want to throw out any of your uh, your social media accounts or what do people Oh, get? yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't even know how to even talk about those. Yeah, I'm on TikTok, Loki Mulholland, Instagram, the same thing. Um, you know, Facebook, if people even go there anymore. Um, but really go to our website, JTM. Joan Trump Power Mall on jtmfoundation.org. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sarah, what can the people find us at? You can follow us live, lit, legit, Instagram, uh, live, lit, legit. I feel like I'm missing one other one. Instagram. Instagram. Instagram, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, I'm over here just still like, so we like, hey, Like, yes. Definitely. And uh, be sure to check out our website, lilylegit.com slash shop. Shop with boys. We have a whole new lineup about to come out. I'm so excited about it. Um, I haven't even talked to the team about it, but we are mm. about to, we're about to be the belts of online shopping. <laughs> not um, built okay. <laughs> um, this is live uh no it's, oh, it's i was like whoa all right <laughs> like, Man, we went way over 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> um but that's all, all we have guys once again thank you for joining us for this wonderful episode uh, I would do, oh yeah that's it right Man, look at man. Y'all sitting here watching these videos. So you know what? Why you just click on one of these other two or three that's sitting here waiting on y'all to click on and go and get in the next thing? Get busy. Function with your people. Lively legit. You know what it is.